for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your God, who is unseen, and your Father, who knows what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. Well, church, we're, as a, as a people, not really big into self-denial. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. We tend to shout for our bet, our place, our thing. It means a lot to us. Lady sent me a little note this morning saying, do you see a problem? Where did this go wrong? She was the first in line at the grocery store. There was a man after her with just a few items. Then there was a woman. She said, I looked and saw the man only had a few items, so I let him ahead of me. And the lady went nuts about place in line. She, she said, isn't she still third? Yes, but we're not good with this. Yesterday, as I stopped at the uh, grocery store, I saw a lady put her cart right in front of her car in the middle of four other cars, two, two things away from the corral thing, carol, whatever you call it, and got in. And I'm, I, I, just, I kept thinking, well, so I went over and got it, <laughs> wheeled it back, and people brought me other carts. I, I guess I look like I belong there. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have now found my people. Um, we're not good at self-denial. And so when it comes to fasting, ooh, whatever hackles we have, we raise. I'm sure uh, Albert Lemons would agree with this. Whenever you say fasting to a Church of Christ person, two things leap out of their mouths immediately. One, it's never commanded, and two, but if you do it, don't tell anybody. They, they, they grab this little bit out of, um, out of the Sermon on the Mount about when you're fasting, don't make a production of it. And they turn it into a, don't let anybody know. And you have to be really quiet. And besides, Jesus didn't expect you to do it. That's interesting. Because he didn't say if you fast. He said when. And fasting is, is all through Scripture. When Hannah was taunted by other women because... They had lots of babies, and she didn't have any. And back then, that was considered a curse, a curse that God didn't like you. She fasted and prayed, 1 Samuel chapter 1. When Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, he fasted and prayed. In chapter 9, when he confronts Israel with their sins, he calls all of Israel together and has them all fast and pray. When Daniel feared that his people would remain forever in captivity and never be returned to their homeland, he approached God with prayer and fasting. Joel, that little book of Joel, is all about fasting. He says you've got to turn back to God with prayer and fasting. We'll talk about why in a bit. Just hang in there. In the book of Jonah, the people of Nineveh as a whole fast and pray, and God turns the judgment away from them. When Saul of Tarsus sees Jesus on the road, he fasts and prays for three days before the preacher comes to him. The early church, when they appointed elders, they fasted and prayed. And when those elders sent out missionaries, they fasted and they prayed before they did so. It was everywhere. In fact, there are different kinds of fast in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 9 and 18, you see what's called an absolute fast. An absolute fast means no food and no water 
during daylight hours. By the way, absolutely when the people were sick or needed, or the little kids, they got water, they got food. Don't overplay this thing. But during the daylight hours, they gave that time over to God, to prayer. This was also in Esther. Esther asked Mordecai to tell, ask the Jews to fast and pray for her before she goes to Xerxes or in the uh, King James Ahasuerus to speak to him for his, her people. Some fast in scriptures allowed you to drink all you wanted to, juices, waters, but you didn't need it all. But most fasting in scripture wasn't no food. It was do without a special food. Perhaps for you it'd be sugar or a soda or meat or bread, something such as this. You're going to give up a certain thing, and there's a reason for it, but we're not getting there yet. Don't run ahead of it. There was a time in my life where I wasn't the nice, cuddly, warm person you see before you. <laughs> I'll give you a moment to get your shock under control. I told my wife, I need to do something to change who I am. She readily agreed, which was hurt, it was hurtful. Uh, but <laughs> I became a vegetarian for 12 years. Not because I'm against meat. No, no. I think if God didn't want you to eat meat, he wouldn't have made animals so tasty <laughs> and easy to catch. I don't understand people that hunt deer. A cow is right there. <laughs> you, you don't have to wear special clothing. Nothing. You, a pencil. You could take it. Anyway, the point is, I told my wife, I need a sign that I am not a predator, that I'm breaking that 300-year thing in our family, I'm not a predator. And after a while, she told me, you've got it, let's, you know, you're back in. But um, the point is, I didn't give up everything. Give up something important to me. And it has to be important to you. I've known of people that give up during Lent, something like watermelon. You can't get watermelon during Lent. That's not fair. <laughs> it's supposed to be something meaningful to you, something that matters. By the way, everybody can do that kind of fast. Because even if you're diabetic or on medication, you can give up something. And in fact, some other kinds of fasting, well, we'll get there. Hang in there. Some fasts call for individual fasting. But other times, like 1 Samuel 7 or Ezra or again in Nehemiah, Jonah and the like, it was everybody joins in. We're all going to fast. Now, they may give up different things, but they're going to all fast. Individual fasts are as common as corporate ones in Scripture. David, Ahab, Daniel, Anna, Saul, we could keep going, fasted. But why? Well, I've heard about these. I've, had, I've listened to these sermons, and some of them bother me a bit. I've seen fasting misused. Some believe, and I've seen the books, that if you want God to answer your prayer and do what you want him to do, fast. It's kind of like you're telling God, I'm not going to eat and I'll get all sick and I'll, you'll be sorry. You'd better do what I want. That's not what fasting's about. I've even seen a book for Christians that had a chapter on one of the side benefits of fasting is losing weight. Really? Seriously? Don't do that. Others fast as a way to punish themselves don't. 
if God's not going to punish you, don't overrule his judgment. Others, as a way to prove to God that they're serious, you, you think he doesn't know? That's not what fasting's for. God's not impressed by fasting in and of itself. In Zechariah chapter 7, verses 5 through 6, it says, Ask all the people of the land and the priest, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? In other words, it was just part of your religious heritage. It was just something you did. It didn't touch my heart, and it didn't touch yours. Why is fasting so important? Fasting teaches us how to say no. And I would submit to you, that's something we need to learn. All of us, individuals and as a nation, to say no. Not, um, no. Now think about it. God, according to Timothy, created good food for you to receive with thankfulness. So, when we're saying no, this is how it works. We are approaching something we have the right to have. We are approaching something we may have and um, enjoy without sin, without fault, and yet we are saying, not this time. Doesn't mean all the time. You're allowed to enjoy your life. God gave you nerve centers so that you would. He gave you endorphins so that you would. But that's not what we're all about. And sometimes we need to look at something good and say, no. Because once we've done that, we've gained power over the world. By the way, if some of you are facing things in your life you're trying to eliminate, it could be, for example, I know, for example, a lot of people are really, it's so difficult once you start smoking to get over it. And I'm not one of these that's going to tell you that smoking will take you to hell. and all. I'm not going to do that. It can make you smell like you've been there. True. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. And I'm not, uh, everybody, you know, I, I, I can remember leaving our church building there in Rochester, Michigan, one Sunday after the third service. And there were uh, a group of people sitting on our sign. We had a low sign group of kind of wild folk that came to our church. Oh, it was a lot of folk there were wild. And they were sitting there smoking on our sign. And I thought, okay, that's, that's actually pretty cool. And one of them tattooed all kinds of staples in her, you know, like rolled around in a tackle box. And she, she called out to me and she said, Patrick. And I looked over and I said, what? And she goes, will you still love me if I can't stop smoking? I looked over and I said, will you still love me if I keep eating donuts? She said, yes. I said, deal. I, either way, you're going to see him sooner. Uh, with <clears throat> Nasty cigarettes or sweet, sweet donuts. Yeah, it's up to you. Fasting isn't about always saying no, but it can teach you how to get over that. I've seen people that tried everything, the patch, whatever, that were able to give up smoking, which is highly addictive through fasting. So is that why you should fast? Nope, side benefit. But it teaches us to say no to the world, and wow, we need to hear that. We need to. We're about to enter a season where everything is the perfect Christmas gift. 
Are you going to be able to say no? Fasting, by the way, is, is more than doing without something. God wants you to fill that space with something else. If you really want to know what fasting is, you have to know Isaiah 58. You really do. You need to read it again and again and again. Isaiah 58, the first, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, first passage we'll look at is 2 and 3. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Whoa, what happened there? In other words, you were learning how to say no to yourself, but only ritually. You were still saying no to, your, uh, no to the world. I'm sorry, you weren't saying no to the world or yourself when it came to keeping your money and stiffen your employees. If you say no to yourself, you also have to um, change your behavior. Cami's away for a few days, and uh, I stopped at Red Robin, which is one of my um, you know, sacred places, because uh, the endless french fry thing, uh, praise be to the Lord. Uh, they, <laughs> and, and they're always worried when they see one person come in and sitting at a table, because this is not going to be a real bonus day for the staff. And they come up hoping that you'll order from the bar, but no, it's Diet Coke. And you almost see them deflate. And then I order just the hamburger, and it's, it's even worse. You have to have, they have to have, help my server get back to the kitchen at that stage. They're walking weakly, beginning to feel faint. Well, anymore, they don't want you to actually interact with anybody. So when you pay, there's a wee machine on your... I hate those things, because I know everybody else has already touched it. And I, you know, coughed on it. You know, I don't know where it's been. But I figure, all right, before I see Jesus, I'll go ahead and do this. And it, it suggests a tip. Don't you love those? Well, 20% of just a hamburger is nothing. And I thought, I can't leave that little bit for this. So I start spooling it up. I'm not going to tell you where I ended. You know, 22. No, no, it was, it was, it was higher. But I spooled it higher because... I realized just because this is all I needed doesn't mean that's all they need. They're only getting a dollar or a dollar ten an hour. They, this is their job. They need something too. Now, if you spool it up so much that you can't come back and eat there tomorrow, fine, that's a fast. You have said no to yourself and given to another. That's what fasting is. It's not just no to yourself then. It's what are you going to do with that time, that money? What are you going to do with that attitude now toward the others, the others who are around you? Look at uh, verses 4 and 5, and we'll do this quickly because one of the great benefits of the capital campaign is shorter sermons. <laughs> Evidently. Your fasting, <laughs> your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. In other words, you're the same people you were before the fast. That means you didn't fast. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Did you know that was in there? Well, he goes on. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed? God gets sarcastic. 
and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord. You know, most of us would be going, they thought so. But no. Where's the change? Where's the change? Let's look at the next passage. There we go. I'm skipping forward. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? So pay attention. This is what God wants. To loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked. To clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the God will be your rear guard. You want God involved? Get involved with God. Do God's work. The true power of fasting is when you say no to yourself, but then you fill that space by saying yes to God. What do you need done, God? What do you want done here? And it's not just in the not eating. Think about it. You're also saving time by not going to the store to buy it. You're not using electricity to, or propane, whatever's out there, to, to fix it. So it's time. It's all that time, all that money, all that space. Now give that to God and see what he can do with it. Take what you have. Give it somewhere else. I, t- I raised my kids, and they quote it to me often. And um, because of tipping is a real issue to me. I really believe that that's where we let a lot of people down. And they, they, they will quote, you don't have to eat, but you have to be good. In other words, there was a time where we saw a waitress being abused by a table. That's all, and it wasn't our waitress. We looked at each other, and we cut down on our order. We kept the tip as high as for ours as we could. When we pulled some funds and went over and just handed them to that waitress, said, we saw. But you need to know God saw it too. He wants you to know he saw that. He loves you. We walked away. We didn't give him a track. We didn't say, no, we go to the Church of Christ. We don't go to one of those bad churches. We didn't do any of that. <laughs> we just wanted them to know, no, this is from God. Now, what that meant was there was another thing we were going to do that we didn't do. But as they, the kids, my kids were little at the time, walking out said, we don't have to eat, but we have to be good. It's true. God tells us that a true fast has you busy. Let's go ahead. Then you'll call, the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and he'll say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, there goes Facebook. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, spend yourself in behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. Small groups, study Isaiah 58, would you? Get on this. This is important. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fall if you put it in the right place. Lent is the most common time for Christians to fast, but it'd be tragic to only fast then. So let me suggest something to you. Find what keeps your eyes off of Jesus or what is absorbing your time. If you're a foodie, that might be it. 
and, and foodies, uh, you know who you are. Uh, and there's, I don't think there's any sin in that at all. And, but it's just, you can be so focused about where we're going to go and what we're going to do. And okay, okay, maybe that's food. But for other people, it might be your phone, internet, cable, a hobby, a sport, looking at girls, <laughs> looking at guys, whatever it is that is taking your eyes off of Jesus. Pride, worry, anger, bitterness. It's time to walk away from it. These things make too much noise. And they're all about a scarcity mindset. If you don't know what a scarcity mindset is. Um, when I was a boy, we didn't have snacks often because my father believed that that was probably bad for us. He was wrong in every possible conceivable way. But that's what he believed. And so whenever a snack came, we leapt upon it. And if he stopped at a petrol station, you know they have all that lovely stuff inside. Um, it was rare that he would let us get something. And oh, we were, there was much rejoicing. You didn't pass it up. Because if you did, there's only a certain amount of snacks evidently you get in your life. And scarcity. Now if that's not ringing a bell, how about this? You ever found yourself sitting in your chair, thinking at night, I'm not hungry, but we have cake. I'll do this for the family. I, I shall fall upon that caloric claymore mine to protect my family. And sometimes the cake's so loud you can't hear the television. You don't even know who murdered who because cake. What is it we need to get rid of so we can finally think about Jesus for a while and do our job Dedicate that space to God. Determine to do good works during the time of the fast. Spend that time in communication with God or look around to see who needs to hear a word from God. Capital campaigns can always be difficult, but this is, really, this is just a family dealing with a charge we've been given by God. Mark, just bring your team up front. We're going to wrap this up a bit. I'm going to shut down a little bit of this, guys because there's class yet to come, and then I'm off for the week, so I'm kind of excited. Um, thank you for laughing. <laughs> Instead of saying, I heard that. Anyway, Jim Elliott, you may not know that name, but he was a missionary to uh, the Indians in Ecuador, and he went towards some who's, who are a very hidden tribe, and all of their culture was based on killing. And he was killed by them. Uh, there's a great story behind there, but when they finally recovered his Bible, he had written in his Bible, his son wrote of this, in his Bible, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Would you stand, please? I'll say it one more time from Jim Elliott's Bible. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Do we agree, church? Yes. 